Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring, the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. 50% of first marriages, 60% of second marriages, and 70% of third marriages end in divorce. Today, we have an expert who's going to discuss those numbers with us. We have Lisa David Olson, who, by the way, has nothing to do with divorce professionally. Lisa is practically a world-famous business humorist, a multi, this is what I dig more than anything, a multi-TEDx speaker, an author, an interactive speaker, a trainer, a podcaster, because I was on her podcast and she's great. We'll have to plug that, Lisa. Writer, inventor, and prank enthusiast. Okay, so basically you have a great sense of humor and I'm so happy you made time to come and talk to us today. Thank you so much, Judy. What a lovely opening. I do appreciate that. Thank you. It's your opening. Okay, so now, why did I read those statistics, Lisa? Is it because you're on your third marriage? Mayhaps it is because I'm on my third and final marriage, should my husband be listening. This uh, this coming week, we're <laughs> celebrating 10 years. My yeah. first marriage lasted 10 years. <gasps> my second marriage lasted 10 years. So now he goes, ooh, ooh, if I make it, if I make it, I'm going to be the winner. I said, honey, 10 is what they all got. You have to make it to 10 and a half. <laughs> if you want the trophy, you want that ribbon. Yeah, we got ten, six more months. <laughs> 10 plus one day, Lisa, 10 plus one day. That's all, yes, 24 exactly. hours, 24. Okay, so this is actually great. Now, the reason why these statistics are important and the reason why I would love for you to address this is... Generally, people get divorced a second time. They've married the same person again. There's not enough time between divorce and next marriage. Maybe the relationship started during the first marriage, ergo it had to end. So I wanted you to take us through your journey because I think it's important, especially since you're a deep thinker and I know you've come to some conclusions on this. So what happened in the first marriage? We lived together, I think it was five years before we got engaged. So I was 17. And then we got engaged, still lived together a while longer. And we were both teaching karate. And we were around kids all the time. Got home, we did not need kids around. So we we were not planning a family. And then um, our family chose us. So my son <laughs> surprised us. And I got pregnant. It was just so bizarre. In the, okay, that, how old, first of all, how old were you when you got married? I was, I think, I think 23. So we were together since I was 17. Okay. We got married when I was 23. He was a couple of years older than me. I bet he still is. And then we had our first son when we changed uh, our method of birth control. So surprise, I am not sponsored by Trojan, if you get what I'm saying. So, um, <laughs> so, did you change your birth control to zero or birth control is not a hundred percent? I don't care what correct. you use, right? Correct. No, I used to be on the pill since I was a teenager and that started out just, I think back then, didn't we take it to clear our skin or something? Well, then I was always yes. on the pill. I decided I wanted to know what my body was like. And so 
we switched to uh, condoms. And apparently that, it, you know, didn't work. So, but uh, my blessing surprised us when I, I had him when I was 30. And then we had another son two years later that I planned. I wanted two kids two years apart and I got them. So in, two in the first marriage. In the first marriage, yes. Okay, and all right, go ahead. Yeah, he, he and I were teaching karate together, together a lot. Uh, teaching together, he, I ran the office, he was the instructor and such. So really, he would get home and need to chill out. You know, I, I phased out of working there. I was doing my own work on the side, taking care of the kids while he was there. We'd kind of pass at lunchtime. He was working nights. I was working mornings. And so it worked out great for raising the kids. But for us, it wasn't great. And I started resenting the fact that the karate kids were getting all of his energy. And when he came home, he needed to be the cell phone on the charger. He needed to reset. I respect that. I really do. But as a a new mom or whatever, having two toddlers, I started resenting. I felt very, very alone. And so we were growing apart in a sense. And he is a superb human, but I didn't want to be married to him anymore. And then at that time when we got divorced, the kids were two and four. And so you had his camp and my camp and telling us about the kids and, you know, mediation and, you know, we're going to get custody and we're going to get custody. It was awful. Once we stopped listening to other adults in our lives, once we stopped listening to all the pros that, told us how to, how to fight. Well, that's all dollar signs, you guys. Yes, <laughs> I, started, I went to, you. yeah, I went to go to the lawyer and get my divorce started. And it was a gentleman in town I knew. And in the middle of it, he says, oh, my phone's ringing. I'm sorry. Do you mind if I take it? My secretary is on medical leave. She's had a baby. And the person who was temping for her got hit down here in the front street in the front of our building and she's up on medical leave. I have to answer the phone. So I said, take it. And when he gets off the phone, I said, do you need help? Because I'm looking for work as well. So he had two papers going for me. One was my divorce and the other was interviewing me and I started working there. (laughs) That's a riot. But that's why I know what it's like to be in this tumultuous situation where when you fight and everything is tooth and nail, there was banker's boxes full of papers for these two people who decided they couldn't live in the same house. And when the husband forgot to leave boots off at daycare, when he dropped the kid off, the wife had to call and say to the lawyer, well, you call, let's just say Ted and tell him he forgot the boots again today because she's not allowed to directly call him. The lawyer made what? $125 on the call because they can't talk. They can't co-parent. Important to talk about, I want to go back a step. I want to Mm -hmm. go back to something seriously important that happens in so many relationships for those listening. You work together, you live together, you are actually enjoying yourselves running the karate studio, it sounds like. Oh, yes. 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 And then you had a lot to talk about. You had a lot in common, but then that changed. I have talked to other people that when there was a change that altered the communication relationship of the couple, they started to grow apart. Agree? And you mean kids? Yes. I mean, sometimes it's the kids. You turn well, into no, mama commu- bear. Well, no. So I talked but to communication this other- too. Well, I talked to this other woman who uh, didn't have children immediately. 
Uh, they both had jobs, not the same jobs, but on the same trajectory. They got home. They talked about their jobs. They went out to eat. They liked sports. Then all of a sudden they started having kids and she stopped working. They had nothing to talk about except the children. And I don't think, and you can answer this, I don't think that's enough to just talk about the kids. What do you think? You're right, Judy. And especially when you have kids and let's say it's a date night, that should be off limits. Also, you shouldn't have pictures of your kids in your bedroom. You shouldn't have a TV in your bedroom because that's that's your adult time. That's your, we are a couple time. Oh, you that's kids staring at you from your dresser, you know? That's really interesting, Lisa. Nobody has said that before. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. It is. I think so. It, it, you've, otherwise, you lose each other. And that's exactly why it breaks down. If you just are the mom who, and, and I know we all do it and it's going to happen. The husband finally comes home or it's the wife working and she finally comes home. And what are you going to do? You're going to dump. Oh my gosh. Somebody spilled Kool-Aid. Somebody da da da. And literally today, my dog ran away when my husband was home working. <laughs> so seriously, the, she does. She's a hunter. Don't get me started. Okay, she got the did, bath of shame. That's she, what she, she got. She did. Oh, she did come back. Yes, I work for the police, and the officer on duty was out. And I said, "Hey, Munch is out again," and she got her back for me. Huh? That's th- that that's dog great. has a police record, Judy. well just don't let it buy any guns please no absolutely not no pockets so no worries okay so uh, the communication piece the fact that you had separate lives kind of drove the decision for the divorce and you were growing differently yes and I would say working together was nice we we had a very good cohesive relationship where I was running the office and he was running the classroom But there again, when you come home, what do you think you're talking about is work. Absolutely. I'm driving sales. I'm trying to up your karate program. I'm trying to get you to buy more gear and take on a longer program to get the monthly. And he's, you know, getting kids ready to test. To this day, though, this is what, 25-ish years later, he's still doing karate in his 60s. He's a a good guy. So, you know, yeah, it can switch that way. You, You can be together too much and have lose what you can talk about. You can be apart too much and find your own way and decide you don't want to come together and talk. And I think we experienced both of those. Do you really? Because I was going to ask if you had not had children, how sustainable do you think working together would have been? Did it show cracks before you had children or was it going strong? I think working together was going really, really well. I I really do because I was teaching some classes and, you know, there was enough mix that way. But, you know, I mean, it's still his his uh, passion and he's still going strong. So I would say that is his first love. Since he was nine years old, he was involved in karate. So he he definitely gives back to the community. He makes it possible for anyone to take classes. And I, I admire that. Good for him. Okay, now the other piece of that before we go into the lawyers and you can't talk to your spouse, which is nuts beyond belief, you had children and it sounds like the pattern was established that's fairly typical and that is mom's home all day with the children or most of the day with the children up to her ears in frustration. Dad comes home wants to chill, mom just needs dad to take over, but dad needs to chill for a couple minutes. Did I get that right? Yes, absolutely. 
that was his downtime. He was playing guitar or maybe watching TV, doing the thing you should be doing is to chill. You know, you're near around 30-ish kids all day long calling your name, you know? No, I just meant chill for maybe up to half an hour. And then you jump into family time, not the rest of the night. And you're right, but he gets home, he would get home at nine or 9.30 because classes would go till eight. Then you've got office work. And then by the time you get home, then myself, it's bedtime because I got to get up with the kids. And the kids are already in bed more than likely depending on their age at night. Correct. So he could have them in the daytime. So it was, it became a split. We were a team, but not a couple. Okay. Excellent. Thank you for saying that. You were a team, but not a couple. And I think that's a great uh, great definition, you know. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's finish with, what do you mean you weren't allowed to talk to one another? That's, that's insane. Just because you have lawyers doesn't mean you can't, as parents, have a conversation. What state are you in? I forget. Right. Um, at that time in Wisconsin, I've since hopped over the Mississippi Bridge and I'm in Minnesota, but The case I spoke of was not my own. It was a case I was handling. So because I was going through divorce and I was the assistant and I would have to pull these banker boxes whenever she would have to call for him or he would have to call for her, this other couple in a divorce, it made me have eyes wide open to the fact that if you can't even get along, you know, what are you doing to your kids? It should be about the kids. They didn't do this. They're already sad. And if you can't shelf that issue, let's say, let's say one of you cheated or something. Yeah, that's awful. Well, then decide to not be together or decide to heal it. But don't hang on to it because that means you're not over it. So do the thing that's going to get you over it. Is it extra, extra therapy? I highly recommend that no matter where you are in your life because another set of professional ears to hear you is, is paramount to your health. And is it going out with your girlfriends and, or is it write your book? Whatever it is, figure it out because you need to get past that anger and that bitterness because it affects your health and it affects your, your surroundings. And who is attracted to you if all you're going to do is yip, yip about Billy Bob? Nobody wants to hear it, girl or guy. Nobody wants to hear it. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that's absolutely true. Um, was it a law? in Wisconsin that if you hired attorneys, even the co-parenting conversation had to go through the the attorneys? No, I don't think I explained it well enough. I believe they had restraining orders. That's what I think. So they could not legally speak to each other. I should have said that. And so working in the police department now, I certainly see the other side of it, the paperwork too, where one can't talk to the other and, oh my gosh, he texted me and these kinds of things. I'm not making light of it. Some people, that is very scary. In this case, it was, look how much money the lawyers are making off you because you two can't just adult. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. So being there and seeing that and telling that to my almost ex, we had like a manila folder, not a banker's box of what we had to do. I mean, it was It was a thicker manila folder because, like I said, outside forces were trying to gear us up for this custody battle. How disgusting. Once we figured that out, you know, I think we had a good eight months of uh, anger. And and nowadays, he could be on here with us talking. Um, He and I could both admit we were scared. We love our sons. No end. And we are 
great friends. We talk every week. We always send jokes and songs. We were in a band together. So we'll send songs to each other and things like that. And my boys know that we're good friends. We've sang together just a couple of years ago. So we still hang out with this the kids. Is, so This is phenomenal. So Lisa, what you just described was my first ingredient in recipe for a heart healthy divorce, which I've talked about on this podcast a lot. You went through the emotions of uncoupling. You went through what I call the emotional divorce so that when you got to the legal divorce, it was easy. Right. You got through the anger, the the heartbreak, the dashed hopes of the future, all of that. Mm-hmm. And then you're right. You don't need to hang on to that. You need to process it. Right. Process is a great word. Yes. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Take a take a yoga class, learn biking, do something physical, but think about your health every time you're being a crabby bear and you're yipping to your friends about it. That's coming back on you. Just picture that you're painting dark colors over you every time you're talking evil about somebody that doesn't look good. You know, if you could see it. Yeah. If you could see what it was doing to you, you would be more aware of it. I like that description. And, and also, what I try and do with people is change language. So the phrase, the two word phrase custody battle is present in everybody's language. But what I try and do with people is say, these are custody decisions. That's Mm. all it is. It's a series of decisions. So much better. I like that. So much better. And it, it really is. It's in the words we choose. For sure. Along with the tone we use that yes. makes or breaks the way we feel about each other. Right. I agree with that. Okay. So now you've successfully divorced the first person and doing a wonderful job at co-parenting. How long between end of that marriage and beginning of the second? I think it was a year and a half or two years. I met somebody when I was in a play. And I've, I've always been a, a performer on the side. So I, I met somebody in a show and we were just hanging out and he's super duper funny. And then we actually started dating and I never saw that coming because why would somebody want somebody with two toddlers is what I thought, but he didn't have any kids. And so we married and um, we did not have kids together. And eventually he and I were performing together as well in this comedy troupe that I run and own. And so he was the director and he was, he was doing pretty good. Now I can't say we always agreed. Um, I always felt like the heavier handed person. I always felt like, you know, having to have my way or that I had the stronger voice. And sometimes I would say, well, it's my troop and this is the decision. And I don't think that was very healthy looking back, of course, but I still would probably say it. (laughs) If I want something on that, in that troop, that's what it's going to have to be. But People can talk me out of it. Anyway, we we did work together that way as performers and um, we're married almost 10 years. And towards the end, we really were more roommates towards that last year-ish. And it was becoming uncomfortable for me to be partnered, like sharing the space of the bedroom or any of that. So I knew that I had lost that feeling and I that surprised me. I didn't know that that could be anything. I totally surprised that totally appreciated that he would take on myself and my two kids and something fantastic that happened during that was he and I were two full-time incomes and my first husband 
took the kids here and there and every other weekend. We never had it written up when he would take them. We would talk and say, how does that weekend work? Ooh, can you switch? Cause we're going to go out of town or whatever. Sure. We always made it work. Love that. And that's when his parents had to come around to it because I think they had troubles with the split. Then they finally understood we were good. We, my second husband and I went to my lawyer and said we wanted to stop the child support payment. And at that moment, that'd be what, 20-ish years ago? Yeah, so it was 30 years ago when I was saying that. Anyway, they don't have paperwork to stop. They didn't back then to stop child support. They had to create a document so that we weren't taking money from my first husband who was running his own business and trying to make ends meet like that. And here I am getting, what, 25, 30% of his money while I'm married to somebody also bringing in a full-time income. Wow. I will be forever grateful to my second husband for having that generous heart and that giving nature that, who's, who does that? Nobody. A, a new spouse comes in and they'd be like, you know, whatever, we'll just take that money. And somebody even said to me, tuck it away for college for the kids or whatever. I'm like, but this man is trying to keep his business running. You know, and he didn't hurt me. He didn't do anything to me. It was just an interesting thing that I'm very proud of. And that's the same lawyer that was my first divorce. <laughs> okay, so this is a good lawyer. But, but oh, yes. let me just say what you just said was pretty astounding. It really, really was. So one of the biggest fears of people when they split and they have children is that each will hook up with somebody else and the recipient of either child or spousal support, alimony in some states instead of spousal support, the recipient is always really concerned that the new partner of the other parent will influence a change in support. That fear mm. is always there. So what your second husband did was pretty magnanimous. It was. Yeah, To have a a lawyer state that they'd never heard of such a thing and they're going to have to make a document. It's like, wow, that, that was impressive. And it was, that, that was, um, it just made sense, but not everybody will make sense in those moments. So I, you know, I'm forever indebted to that, that very giving heart. That was really cool. And of course we all got along great because of that. Absolutely. And so, again, for the betterment of the children. Yes. And my second husband took karate from my first husband while I was married to him. (laughs) So they could both knock you out. No. Well, you know, I'm glad you said that because they would spar and I would say, you guys know I pretend you're fighting over me. And they said at the same time in different ways, no, we're trading punches going, you take her. No, you take her. (laughs) (laughs) So I observe something in the sto- the two stories. What I observed is you partner professionally with people that you partner with intimately. It's true. It it's either important to you or it's natural to you or it's exciting to you. Is it any of those 3 or all of those 3? It's so funny talking to uh, one of my besties when when my my current and final husband and I perform together, we write together and I tell her it's, uh, I call it a braingasm because when we collaborate and come up with something, like I just recently 
in my head, I haven't finished it. I wrote a children's book to give to a friend who's pregnant. I wrote a book about her business from the perspective of the baby that's not born. And I couldn't think of a title. And I'm walking, my husband and I are walking the dog and he just says it out of nowhere. He says this thing that was this perfect title. And that to me is a braingasm. I'm just like, oh my gosh, you just, you know, you clicked the last tumbler in place. You opened the safe, you know, it's like, ah, and I don't mean it in a sexual way, but I just think that gets me going. Like it, that is the energy, just everything's yellow and bright and beautiful. It's just like, oh my God, your brain just knows what I want. <laughs> well, you know, I'm glad you said that because I have always been baffled my entire life with people who are immediately attracted, oh my God, this must be love, because they're attracted physically to somebody. Or they have this physical type, and that physical type means this should be a lifelong relationship. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Completely missing the part where you're supposed to connect mentally, spiritually, emotionally, just physically is okay. And then I have other friends who have to have the intellectual stimulation. That's the sexiest part of the relationship that they can connect mentally. Yes. What do you think? Right. What do you say? Oh, heck yes. That yeah. That is what lasts. That is something that carries over through a phone call, through email, through writing to each other. You can have that on so many levels where it just clicks. You know, it, it could be pillow talk. It can be on our walks with our dog. And that to me, it just really, because I love to always have a project going on. Yeah, that works for me. You were right when you said that. I don't think I thought about it before. Really? Yeah. I I find that very interesting. Now with, so, so you do write with him, you said, but you work in law enforcement and he works somewhere else. My daytime, my right? my husband now current yes we'll call him Todd because that's his name <laughs> yes Todd works uh, for a major hospital and he does tech and um, what is it it's like um, event support so he's running all the tech the Zoom the cameras the mics everything for physicians who are presenting and therefore he travels all the time and drives an hour to work each way every day wow um, so that's what he's doing now but when I met him I was eighteen. And he had a major DJ business in the three-state area. So it'd be Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, way out there. And he had a very major business going on. And it was also game shows. So I applied when I was 18. That's how I met him, 18 or 19. And he was engaged and I was with my first hubby. And I worked for him and had just a great time because I am a performer. And then when I left that business, we would run into each other all the time. And he had three boys and I had my two. So we watched our kids grow. So our kids knew each other, sort of. And then I was going through my second divorce. Well, like I said, we were separated for quite a while, but living together, trying to figure it out. And Todd had joined our comedy troupe because we had another um, audition. And so he was in the comedy troupe as well. And we were just friends. It was just so great to reconnect. He can do any voice. He can do anything. And he's ridiculously funny. And so, which is very important to me, if you could figure that out. And so, um, as my separation was going on, he didn't know. And he was getting a divorce from his 18-year marriage, and I didn't know, and there's a reason. 
It's my comedy troupe. You leave your S word at the door when you come in. If you had a bad day, you have indigestion, you, you know, unless you're hurt, I don't want to hear it. Nobody should hear it because we are here to make a show for people paying to see us. So you leave it out there. And if you want to talk about it afterwards, you can pick it up on your way out and then we'll chat. But when you come to a rehearsal, you don't talk about it. So we were both going through divorce. So we had a whole show run. It was three weekends. And my second husband was the director. And we announced we were getting a divorce. And I think shortly after that is when it clicked to me how attracted I was to Todd. And we still didn't act on it, but we were still writing through email, writing sketches together because it's songs and sketches and improvisation. My passion is Carol Burnett. And so I got to grow up and do Carol Burnett-like things. And so we'd write together and collaborate through email. Like most of our sketches made it in the show because we're that good. Let me just tell you. So any these, I start chasing that man when I was clear. And I said, did you ever think of me as more than a friend? And he thought that I was joking. So it took a while. <laughs> okay. But this week is all, 10 years. <laughs> that was so vulnerable of you. It was. But you know what? The dude wasn't, wasn't uh, picking up the signals. So <laughs> I was like, oh, well, it either is or isn't. I still want to write with this guy, whatever. <laughs> okay. And saying that, I mean, you did take a giant leap of faith that, that mm. did put you out there in a very vulnerable position. And you probably figured in your mind, well, if he says no, well, first of all, I'll make a joke about it somehow, some way we'll make it funny. Yeah. And, but we'll still keep working together because we can. Right. Right. Yes. Okay. He said he had to put aside the thoughts that I was like a sister because we had known each other for so long and, and done different work together. How long did it take for him to put that sister idea aside? End of the day. He works fast. Yeah. Well, in improv, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> you got to think yes, of what's my next thought. You got to say, I don't know what to do, but if I did, I would do this. And he said, oh yeah, floodgates opened. So that was nice. Okay. So the I'm I'm getting that you see saw see value in the fact that over a very long period of time you watched each other's lives unfold you were around at least on the periphery and then like so many uh situations where people reconnect on Facebook with their high school sweethearts after both people have gone through a lot of life and kids and this and that. It's really, it, it, it's charming and wonderful for me to watch people reconnect with somebody they knew in the past. What does this mean? I, I haven't figured it out yet. What does this mean that you have a successful relationship with somebody that you knew years ago in a much different decade. Talk to me about that. Well, it's probably the nostalgia of saying, oh, remember when we did this? Remember when we did that? And just the excitement of the different shows we had done or the different people we knew. So you have that tight connection. And then also watching each other's boys grow. I know that with both sets of families, he and his ex and me and my ex with our kids, we were both the stronger and main parent. Absolutely for sure. And there's no way anybody could say anything different. We are the main parents. So we had that in common that we did. You know, my, my first hubby will tell you, I am the main parent. He, he always, you know, he tells me that, 
happy Mother's Day, you know, for a few days at a time. So it's very sweet. But um, I think you have that in common and it just is a bond of sorts. And then as the years went on, I had that opportunity to watch his kids grow and know who they were. But then we came together again for performing and he didn't expect to join the troupe. He just wanted to go to laugh because he was going through a hard time and whatever. He ends up joining the troupe and then we got to work together again. So there was that, you know, my, my troupe is like seven people and I don't switch them out. I, you're not allowed to leave if you're awesome and, and they don't want to because we all get paid and we love each other. So that's my family. And so once you're in that group, you just, you're never alone, you know? And so it's very attractive that way. So you do have that bond and that feeling of, what makes it tick. Now, while we were married during COVID here, he lost that business of over 30 years, that huge, huge business, this three-story warehouse and all the cars and because all the fleet vehicles to get games and game shows. And he would host the shows and I'd run tech or I would host and he would do this. So we did all that together while we were married. But then we had to defunct his business and that was like a death. And we made it. It was scary and it was like just amazing because his wife wanted the business but never worked at it. She was not a performer and I did a prenup. I guess I forgot that part. Before we got married, I did a prenup to state to his team that I don't want any piece of the company because when he divorced, she tried to get the company so he lost his whole retirement. Yes. and his people knew that. He had a whole office of people. I didn't want them to think, oh, she's swooping in and now we're going to have to deal with this again. I cared enough to say, I don't want any of it. And that last day, we had one last load of stuff to take out. And I'm telling you, it was backbreaking. It was awful. And we're pushing things out. And I ran into a doorway and I just collapsed laughing my head off because I said, well, it's a good thing I had that prenup so that I didn't try and steal all this from you. I mean, it was just one of those moments that was cry till you laugh or laugh till you cry because it was ridiculous. Wow. You know, the fact that you made it through a serious financial crisis, mm-hmm. which is the number one reason why people get divorced. It's really about money, people's values about money, how they make it, how they spend it how they handle it. You made that through. That right. So much to your uh, Oh, it wasn't easy. I mean, a couple. Yeah, we it can say it's, uh, therapy on both sides and couples therapy just to keep the communication open. And again, you don't have to have trouble or a problem to seek therapy. I cannot say that enough to folks that just reach out to that person that's neutral, that doesn't know your kids, your family, your job, your friends that neutral person will ask you questions that will leave your mouth hanging open. And everyone should check into it. You don't have to wait until your marriage is on the rocks. Just because you say you went to couples therapy doesn't mean that you're having trouble. It means that you just feel like, eh, you know, like you ever taste spaghetti sauce, you're making it homemade. You go, oh, it's missing something. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's what, and like you say, your recipes, right? (laughs) Yeah. No, you know, that's really good advice that, to stay connected, going to therapy every now and then throughout the relationship uh, ensures that you don't grow apart. Mm-hmm. It does ensure that. 
it is a discussion of values. It is um, making sure that the way you're looking at life is is perceived the same, that you're not misunderstanding, mis- misinterpreting what people are saying. Did you go to couples therapy prior to getting married this third? To Todd, we'll call him that since that's his name. Yes, yes. Um, I've been to couples therapy with each of my partners. And there was a time I went with my first and second husband when I was having issues with my oldest son. So then we had to decide how to parent going forward because I said, you're going to act like this. I think he was like 14, 12, 14, somewhere in there. And I said, clear out your room. Everything's going in boxes and going in the garage. You've lost everything. I said it. I didn't yell it. I didn't get angry. I didn't scream. I scared myself. (laughs) And then he cleared out his room. And then I called for therapy the next day. I go, now what do I do? I didn't know what to do. (laughs) And so both dads went and we three sat there and they said, oh, he could earn it back every week as as behavior is good. He can earn back a box. That's what we did. Well, that's really cool. I mean, that that method of punishment and then (laughs) dialing it Nobody knew what to do. So this is something that I've never said in the four plus years I've done this podcast, but I'm going to say it now because it's important. It relates. And I, I, I think I've spotted something that I'd like people to start thinking about emotional intelligence. Mm. You in, in the saga of all three marriages, you have shown that there is emotional intelligence going on and you're not afraid to address emotions. In fact, you feel it's very important to address emotions. You can't hide emotions under the carpet. And people, thank you for your advice about you don't need to be in trouble in your relationship to go to therapy. This actually prevents you from getting in serious trouble, trouble to the point where you just can't dial it back and then it's awful going forward. It wasn't awful going forward for you the previous two marriages. Mm -hmm. Right. You have to make a choice and take, just what I said to my son today, micro moments. Some people call it baby steps. I go a little bit smaller than that. All I can do is that next micro moment. What is my next best thought? I'm not always positive or anything, but looking back and the way you say it, yeah, I, I, I do like to revisit that. And it's, it's, that's what's great about your show is people can sit there and go, huh, let me compare what I'm going through. And what do I, what do I like? What do I not want to have? I think think people need to want to be emotionally intelligent. So this is a phrase that's going on in corporate and you work a lot with corporate. Maybe you've even have had to deal with it on a topic level, but in relationships, we don't really talk about emotional intelligence, but that's what a relationship is. It's about the blending of two emotional beings. Mm Mm-hmm. So that they can have a financial life, a family life, a professional life, a, a, a fun life, <laughs> you know, a, a, a physical life. Um, I think we need to start talking about emotional intelligence within intimate relationships. I love that sentence. I, I, I love that you bring that to the forefront because we as women are frustrated. How could he leave the cupboard doors open and not notice that? How could he 
just walk through the house in his shoes. That's not what he's thinking about. Boys don't think like girls. I work around many men. I have five shared sons. Let me tell you, I'm glad they don't think like us because I couldn't handle two of me in this house. I'm just going to tell you that right now. So I'm glad that emotion and ideas and thoughts are different. There's this brilliant joke, and I'm not a joke teller, but I am a comic. And the man and the woman are in the car and they're driving and they're in silence. And he's just looking straight ahead. And she gets really like, oh my God, I think he's going to break up with me. I can feel it. I, I think it's because I, I didn't do something yesterday. I think, what was I supposed to do? And he's mad because I was talking to his friend. I just know it. Oh, he's going to break up with me. And now we're approaching my house. I don't know what, what's going on. And the man is thinking, huh, the odometer just rolled over. Yeah, it's probably time for an oil change. I suppose I could get in, but they're probably not open tomorrow until noon. That's what life is. <laughs> get out of your own way. <laughs> that is really, really good. And yes, you're so right. You are so right. I, I, I mean, we read completely incorrectly into everybody, yes, whether it's our intimate relationship, our friends. Yes. We do this all the time. And then we don't talk about, hey, what's going on with you? Right. Anything you want to tell me? Anything we should talk about? You want to stay silent? Okay. Yes. And chances are it has nothing to do with us <laughs> because yeah. they got their own stuff going on too. So get out of your own head. Get out of your own way. But Lisa, in both of your divorces, it sounds like you purposefully wanted the process of moving out of the relationship to be healthy and good. It it sounds like this was a priority with you. Yes? Yes. Once I make up my mind, and I think that's true, we, we have that feeling. It's like house shopping. When you see that house, for me, not that I've moved that much, but there have been two times that when we had to move, I stood in a kitchen and I immediately felt like this is it. Like it washed over me. And the same is true for relationships. And I'm going to say this about that. True with friends too. And it's a lot harder to break up with a friend than it is a marital partner. It's a lot harder because we don't know how to do that because we're idiots about that. Right. If you guys know how to break up with a friend cleanly and easily, let me know. Get a hold of me. But meanwhile, I think we're all kind of goofy about it. We'd rather kind of what they say, ghost them or yes, just let's just avoid them. No, this week doesn't work. Just come out with it and say, I think we're kind of growing apart or traveling in different paths. <laughs> I don't like you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we say it, but we're kind of dumb about that. I'm going to quote Joe Rogan. People, oh. are, people are complicated. Okay, because there's a lot of quotes you could say from Joe Rogan. I thought we we're going to have to beep you out. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. I, I really appreciated. I forget who he was interviewing one day, um, but it was a tough subject. And all of a sudden, it, it may have even gotten slightly political. I really don't remember who he was talking to. And then he just said, people are complicated. And I'm like, you know what, Joe? Yeah, That's a simple sentence, and it couldn't be truer. People are complicated. Right. And I think, I think we, 
we should pat ourselves on the back for just dealing with each other and not being hermits. And, you know, when you work in the field of divorce, you say, geez, really? Seriously? Everything, everything just gets so complicated. And I'm like, I'm in shock. The world actually functions. Right. Yes, it's true. And that's why we have to put our kids at the forefront of a split up and make sure that they understand their, the family is, is going to be a new dynamic, but they are still the most important thing because that's just not fair. There's no way their little brains can understand. We don't get our full adult brains until we're 25. You are not going to make your four or 10 year old understand at all. There's just no way. All you can do is show them. And, okay, excellent point, Lisa. And in their minds, you will always be a family, even Mm. in separate houses, even as everybody gets older. And so there's the grandchildren when they're born, the other weddings, the graduations, the this, that. Yes. And so you will always be a family. When parental alienation comes up, it's heartbreaking because... You can be as mad at each other as you want, but you have so destroyed your children. Yes. Like when irreparable you speak badly, damage. Right. When you speak badly about your partner, uh, all it does is make them want to protect that other person. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Lisa, this has been great. I really appreciate that you've opened yourself up. You were able to talk and I had no idea what you were going to say. I just <laughs> I don't strapped- always either. Well, I just strapped in for the ride and this was a lovely ride. You were driving Miss Judy on this ride. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. This has been great. Thanks for all you. you do to help people. It really makes a difference. I hope so. And I think so. I've gotten some really good comments from people that said, well, this one woman said, you know, I fired my therapist. I find the people that you interview so helpful. And some of the things you say, your philosophies, what do I need a therapist for? I feel great now. That's great. Well, I don't want to put therapists out of business because we all need them. Yes. But if that's a true statement, that makes me feel really good because, um, We need to. We need to help people when they're really hurting. Yes. Thank you for what you do. Um, TEDx. So what are your topics? What were your TEDx topics? My first one was humor saved my life. The bravest thing you've never done. So I tell the story of growing up in an alcoholic home and how being drawn to humor, especially Carol Burnett, uh, saved my life in a time that I was contemplating harming myself. And then I talk about the health of humor and why we're attracted to humor. And my second one was called Pranks for the Memories. On my podcast, Stranger Connections, every guest ends telling a prank or a dare story or some sort of funny family story. Excellent. And I'm just drawn to humor and it's just healing and it's healthy. So pranks to me are not those, oh, somebody got hit in the private parts and now they're on the ground rolling around. No. A prank is, I got pranked today by an officer who snuck up behind me and scared me and videotaped it. And I might've said a naughty word, but um, we do that to each other all the time. <laughs> so I ask for it and I'm, very, I'm a good sport because I do ask for it. But I like silly pranks that make two people laugh and no one's hurt and you get that adrenaline rush. And so I think it's healthy. So if I do scare you, Judy, you're welcome. 
Thank you uh, for all of that in advance. Thank you. So should we send people to your LinkedIn page? Where should we see? Because people going through divorce actually do other things in life. And who knows if we can connect you with some potential new relationships and business. Where should they go to find out as much about you as possible? Thank you. Just Google my name, Lisa David Olson. I stole my husband's middle name my third and final husband's middle name, David, so that you could find me because in the Midwest, Lisa Olson is everywhere. So Lisa David Olson on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, where I'm a little more silly. And uh, I'm a speaker, speaker trainer, business humorist. So whatever you need, let me know. I'm a professional nag. So if you haven't gotten your book started yet, or you need (laughs) to learn speaking, get a hold of me and I'll give you a kick. Worth your weight in nag gold, without a doubt. (laughs) Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. This has been an absolutely delightful time. And thank all of you for listening. You know that you can feed me ideas on new episode topics through this website, theamicabledivorceexpert.com. Share this with your friends. Subscribe if you haven't already. And as always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else. 